Hey y'all, welcome to Burks and Boots. We're just a couple of old friends talking our walk and sharing our true tales from the stirrups. And that's not the cowboy kind either. We don't claim to be experts on anything, but our own lives, which we openly share with off-the-cuff attitudes and unique perspectives on stuff that we think just might need fixing. So take a break, take a listen, because today we're talking about life changers. We kind of figured we've been a little too serious lately, so we wanted to lighten it up and talk about (laughs) (laughs) nervous breakdowns and cancer. (laughs) That that is like, that's some serious stuff there. Look at us, we're laughing. No, I like it. I like it. (laughs) I like it. I think it's good. (laughs) Going, it's good. It's good. I'm gonna leave. Yeah, I'm gonna give you an alternate though, and then you can use either one you want. All right. So, and today we're (laughs) talking. Okay. (laughs) That was very good. Okay. And today we're talking about life changers. You know, we kind of thought we'd been a little serious the last couple episodes, so we decided to lighten it up. (laughs) I'm sorry. We, We decided to lighten it up and talk about nervous breakdowns and cancer. Oh, okay, Lord, have mercy. We're going to have to do it again. This is getting nuts. Okay, hold on. I'm going <sighs> to deep breath. It's, it's great. It's funny, though. It's good. Okay, let's do it again. And today we're talking about life changers. You know, we figured we'd been a little serious, a little slow paced there last couple of episodes. So, we want to lighten it up a little bit by talking about nervous breakdowns <laughs> and cancer. I nervous, <laughs> nervous breakdowns and cancer. I it's, a good place. <laughs> it's a good place. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. Okay, we got to start over. <laughs> okay. All righty. All right. Give me a second. I'm going to bite my tongue here and try to, okay, sip of water. (laughs) Blow my nose. That's the best laugh I've had in a long time. (laughs) I love how you open it. We figured we lighten it up with nervous breakdowns and cancer. That's fucking hilarious. Okay, you ready? (sighs) Okay. All right. And today we're talking about life changers. You know, we've been kind of serious and slow paced the last couple of episodes. So we wanted to lighten it up this time and really talk about nervous breakdowns and cancer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's some light kind of stuff there. Yeah. You, yeah. All right, Burks, let's lighten it up. So, uh, um, I believe uh, one of us has had a nervous breakdown or two, and another one has had cancer several times. So having survived those things and had had our lives changed by them, we thought we'd just uh, throw some 
fun facts out at you. Why don't you kick it off there, girl? And let's, and I want to hear your life changers. Well, all right. I've had a few. I've thought about this since we decided to talk about this. I thought about, well, what, what is my biggest life changer? And, uh, I've had a few as we all have, but I would say cancer. Cancer, you know, just that word alone is just so charged. And to, to hear it and then to own it and then to live through it is uh, definitely uh, brings you to your needs. And I had um, lung cancer, big lung cancer. And then a couple of years later, I had little lung cancer. And then uh, I had uh, uterine cancer. And I had uh, a benign lump in my breast. And I had uh, a little... I had a little cancerous growth on my coochie. So I <laughs> uh, don't talk about that one a lot because <laughs> the other two are such heavy hitters. You know, it's like, so um, um, if I were going to get down and get honest about how that changed my life, I'd have to say um, I always had a feeling inside me, I was always afraid of getting cancer. And, uh, I, I have often wondered in hindsight, if that constant fear of getting cancer did not <laughs> sort of magnetize me to it. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people wouldn't, uh, have that thought, but, um, I, I, uh, when I did, I, what happened was I coughed up blood and I, I was a smoker. I was a big smoker. I coped with smoking. Other people drink, whatever they do, I smoked. And, uh, one day I coughed up blood and, oh, totally panicked and, uh, called a holistic guy I've been seeing for years. And he said, well, congratulations. It's time for the big lessons, but don't panic yet. Maybe you just broke a blood vessel. Well, that kind of started me on a long path of, do I have cancer or don't I? Um, I but try. Can, can I? Can I ask you what were you, you said that smoking was helping you cope? Cope with what? Oh, uh, the pressure I put on myself. Being an entrepreneur. I was always under pressure. I had my own company. Um, I had a lot of deadlines. Um, and I thought that I was doing myself a huge favor by working all the time. And, uh, instead of eating, I'd smoke, you know, um, because I didn't have to stop and eat. You know, I could just stay in the work and just have a cigarette. How many hours a day were you working and how many days a week were you working? Um, oh, I would venture in hindsight, again, hindsight's perfect. I would say I worked a minimum of 12 to 14 hours a day and I usually worked six or seven days a week. And I was having, I was starting to feel the effects of the cancer. 
I, I, I was starting to notice that my joints were getting very stiff. And uh, here's something that I never knew, and I didn't know until after I had the surgery, but I had one of the clear signs of having lung cancer, and that is your fingernails and your toenails cup. That means they begin to grow into little domes. Hmm. And I kept saying to doctors, what's wrong with my fingernails? Why is it doing that? And they just blew me off. Uh, after I had the surgery, I was uh, visiting with a client of mine who happened to be a dermatologist. And she said, oh, did your fingernails cup? And I said, yes. She said, that's one of the signs of lung cancer. I'm a holistic person. I'm going to tell you why. Uh, because my sweet mom was um, an RN and she was very, um, what is it when you're a science mind as opposed to an art mind? Left brain or right brain? I have no idea. Well, whatever brain it is that you have to see it to believe it, that was her. And uh, she believed anything that doctors said. And that pretty much did it for me. So anytime something would come up with me, I would always turn away from Western medicine just because she was so um, enamored of it. Obviously, she was a professional, you know. She was a nurse um, and a good one. But um, <clears throat> so I would always seek out, you know, what can I do? I'll try it with food. I'll try it. <clears throat> pardon me, with acupuncture. So I'm talking to the acupuncturist and she says, uh, I said to her, uh, do you know of anybody who has survived lung cancer um, holistically? And she said, no. Uh, she said, "You, uh, what you do is you go to Western medicine and you have it cut out. You, they know how to burn it out or cut it out. That's what they do. And then after you've done that, you come see me or somebody like me and we heal what the trauma your body has experienced in having it burnt or cut out. And um, that made sense to me. And um, about that time, um, I went to see a diagnostician, kind of like the guy House on TV. Yep. And he said, uh, he read all the my reports from all the doctors, and, he, and I, they still couldn't tell me I had cancer. And he said, well, you need to get your affairs in order because you have what John Wayne died of. And I'll never forget, tears shot out of my eyes, like almost horizontally. I'd never had a physical feeling like that. The first time was when somebody said, yes, you have cancer. And the second time was, get your affairs in order. You are probably going to die of this. And it was like, yikes. I was dialing a surgeon I had met. And uh, I just said, hi, it's Friday. When can you work me in? And they said, well, how about Wednesday? I said, I'll be there. And uh because I had been to see a surgeon and I said, do I have cancer or don't I? And he said, uh, well, 
we won't know until we operate on you. And I thought, do I really want to have surgery? And what if it's not? And blah, blah. So I called him. I said, yeah, I'm ready. I went in. I went in Wednesday morning. And he said, um, depending on what's inside you is how long the surgery will go. And if you are here for a long time, that means we're going to save you. And if we get in there and it's not good, that means we're going to sew you up and send you back home. And so when I woke up that evening, the first thing I said was, what time is it? And uh, my mother was standing there and she wouldn't answer me. And I said, what the damn time is it? And she said, it's six o'clock. And I thought, because I went in at 12 and I thought, all right, I'm going to live. And um, after that surgery, I went back to that young, beautiful little acupuncturist and she helped me get all of the anesthesia out of my body and really helped me. And now here's something I need to say. A year later, I called her and um, to say thank you because I realized that that one sentence had really turned me around. And uh, she had died of lung cancer. Oh, boy. And uh, that was a real one of those moments when you're like, whoa, she saved my life, but she couldn't save her own. Um, anyway, um, so I survived. I, I, you know, it was painful. Um, this was in the old days of they would, they really cut you open. Uh, here's a little side note. After I went back a month after the surgery and I'm talking to the surgeon, he's like, well, how are you doing? I did not, by the way, I did not have to have chemotherapy or radiation. I had a kind, he said, you have the kind of lung cancer that if you're going to get lung cancer, this is the kind to have. And he said, just, we took out the tumor and you're good to go. And it was attached to my esophagus. So they shortened my esophagus and, um, um, you know, he said, you're going to, you know, you're going to have some side effects. So I'm back in the office a month later and I said, say there, I said, "Uh, my right breast is kind of numb. And he said, yeah. And I said, when do you think the feeling is going to come back in there? And he said, well, probably never. And I (laughs) said, what? I said, my right boob is numb, and you're telling me it's going to be numb the rest of my life? He said, well, I hope in 20 years you come back and you're still complaining about that numb breast. Mm. I swear to God, God, I'll never forget this. Thank you for letting me live. I'll never forget this. And uh, even though it does slip my mind on occasion, uh, I can pull myself right back into it. I'm like, yeah, it's a good life. I made it. I'm happy. I made it again with a small cancer in my other lung. And I made it through stage four uterine cancer. And uh, the coochie thing was no big deal. (laughs) Uh, Just made it hard to go to the bathroom for a couple of weeks. Um, um, But I would say that that was the biggest thing, the biggest thing that changed my life. And it was to quit working so hard, which I immediately did, uh, to learn how to relax, to learn how to rest, to learn how to appreciate what I've got, 
all of that good stuff that's all over Facebook, you know, every, you know, platitude, platitude. Yes, yes. And it's all true. So anyway, so physically I've been through a lot and, uh, uh, and honestly, uh, I don't regret it. I just want to bring forth my biggest lesson, which was to realize the gift of cancer. And I think people who've had cancer and survived it understand what I'm saying. And what it is, is again, a great sense of gratitude, a great sense of love, empathy, and a renewed interest in living a life of quality. So that's been my goal ever since then. And it continues to be one. And now I want to uh, turn it over to Ms. Boots, who has her own life changer. Um, and it references the nervous breakdown. Uh, but I think you're going to clarify that whole thing for us, right? Yes, ma'am. And one of the things that I want to clarify first with mine is that, you know, we call it a nervous breakdown, but for me, it was really an emotional breakthrough. I was able to break through a lot of illness and come through to being clear and healthy. And so I really, I guess the, the word is, is that you have to break down in order to break through. And, you know, as far as physical illness, um, I think that my emotional breakthrough was my big life changer. Yeah, I can, I can, whew, I want to hear all about this. Uh, what I consider um, paramount and what really changed my life at a very, very early age was being molested. And um, that was a life changer. Whoa. Um, I was, and you know, years, I was maybe nine, maybe 10, maybe 11, I don't know, but it went on for a couple of years. And by the time when I was an early teen that I found out what I understood happened, oh, I was just angry. I was so angry that I was taken advantage of. I was angry at the person who took advantage of me. And I was angry at myself for letting myself being taken advantage and being so stupid. But you were a kid. But, you know, I'm just telling you, I understand all of that intellectually. But I got to tell you that as uh, an emotional kid who dared not share this with my parents, especially my father, because I thought my father would kill the person. So I kept it, you know, I kept it inside. And as a result of that, um, I developed a really bad eating disorder, uh, anorexic bulimic for around 20 years. Whoa. And um, can, you, can you give me the connection there? Because I don't understand. The, the connection is that there's so much anger. Being eating disordered, you can eat as much as you want. And guess what? You ain't going to get fat from it because you can throw it up. So Ooh. that was control. I could finally control my body 
in a way that I wasn't able to control it during the years that I was being molested. So, and trust me, I am not unique in this. I know. I am so not unique. When I, I started working with the bariatric community, um, years, not that, not that long ago. And these are the people who want to lose weight. So they go in for surgery and have their stomach, their stomachs literally bandit. So it shrinks the size and the capacity of food that they can eat. And this one um, institution that came to a conference that I was at, so that they did a survey on the amount on the people that came in for the surgery, a questionnaire. And they found that 85% of the men and women who came in to have bariatric surgery had been victims of sexual abuse as children. And they never shared that with anybody. And so they practiced what I practiced. You know, you you got this big old hole inside you and you're going to fill it. You know, you got the whole, the, the, the big void. So you're going to mm. stuff it with food. And then when, you know, but they didn't puke it out. I don't know why they did. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> it doesn't seem like, what the hell's wrong with you? Why didn't you puke it out? I mean, it's, you know, it's like, damn. So anyway, so I went through <laughs> I teens. I'm sorry. I'm- <laughs> it is funny. Trust me. It's how I got through it is laughing, you know, yeah, during my, yeah. recu- you know, just healing. Yeah, yeah. So in my teens, I felt like a slut, you know, and as a result, I felt, oh, I'm already tainted. I, you know, I'm, you know, I'm like already a tainted girl. Everybody, everybody's trying to get into my pants. I'm figured, oh, honey, you're like, you're down the list, you know, <laughs> it's yeah. already, so anyway, during my teens and 20s, I was high achiever, all that kind of stuff. And my career had kicked in and I was like, uh, you know, high achiever. Then I'm 32 and I'm working and I, you know what? I can't work anymore. I got to stop. So I literally stopped working and I didn't know why, but I took a train to Santa Fe by myself and went to Albuquerque and then went up to Santa Fe. And I took, this is, I really remember this graphically. I took a hot air balloon ride and I remembered, oh man, I can't wait to go up in a balloon because I want to feel the air blow against my face. I would just want to feel movement. And I remember being up in that balloon and no air was blowing in my face. And I'm thinking, what the hell? And I realized I am the wind. And that was a metaphor for me is that I am in the wind, I am moving. And even though it doesn't feel like you're moving, you're moving. And um, so, and then I found myself literally out there miraculously during the summer solstice. And I'm sitting under the full moon in the desert by myself and gray clouds blowing overhead. And I'm like saying, God, I don't know what's going on, but please help me. I don't know what the hell's going on. So that began my journey of many years of therapy. Um, Wait, let me ask you. Uh, When you say you don't know what's going on, did you, uh, you, had you made the connection between the molestation and the food and uh, that? 
you, no. Okay. You really didn't know what was happening. I, I had not a clue why I was torturing myself the way I was and why I was struggling so much. And, you know, everything that I shared earlier about me understanding about, you know, being betrayed and, you know, all of that, that came about after understanding after years of therapy and understanding what had happened. So I spent the next seven years just rebuilding my life. You know, a lot of my, I realized that a lot of my career goals and ambitions were based on trying to prove to everyone that I was successful, that I was smart and I, you know, to cover up for the fact that I really had nothing inside of me because I felt that I was, you know, a fraud, a fraud. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was a seven year process and I didn't go back to work like I had been doing before and I picked up food service work. I was hawking my jewelry. I borrowed money from friends. And, you know, I still had my little groovy sports car. And I remember driving around the hills and that and coming home to a disconnect notice from the electric company because I couldn't pay my electric bill because I was so out of money. So it was some rough times. Mm. And, um, so that was my emotional breakthrough is being able to learn how to love myself again. Mm. And after many years of hurting myself. Nice. So our, our life changers included love, certainly for me to accept love and, uh, to give love. I think that's, yeah. And forgive, yeah, to give love, accept love, and to forgive ourselves and others. Yeah, We're sounding like a couple of preachers here. Well, you know, <laughs> I mean, when it really all comes down to it, what I have learned, and this sounds like really like preachers, it's, yeah. all, it's, it's all about love. Tell it, sister. It's all about love. Yeah, it's it all is. about loving yourself. It's all the loving the planet. It's loving your brothers, your sisters. And, yep. you know, just because otherwise we are all going to be sick. We're all going to be puking some way or another. And I've, I've witnessed that right now, you know, in yeah. life today. How many? I think that's totally, I think that's very descriptive of what's going on in the world today. We all have a huge hole we're trying to fill with something. And uh, and uh, most people aren't willing or able to just rip it open and let it pour out. It it takes a lot of courage, I have to Ooh. say, and I'm making out with myself right now because. But you know, then again, I had no other choice because it was a life or death decision for me. And fortunately, or unfortunately you know, many people aren't going to make the decision that I made. And yeah. again, my message is, it's just like if, you know, if you know of a kid getting hurt or someone screwing around with a kid, leave them alone. And if you think someone's doing it, you know, bust their ass for doing it. You know, yep. it's got to stop. And yep. so I will get off my pulpit. <laughs> Until we meet again. Onward and upward. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.
please tune in again to Burks and Boots Talkin' Their Walk. Same time, same place, and visit us at www.burksandboots.com.